is a life-changing message brought to you by Fellowship of Champions Church International, located in Conway, Arkansas. Listen now as Dr. Edwin Strickland teaches you to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. Peace God. Amen. And so in order for that to happen, there are some things that have to take place. Now, you and I understand that we were born uh, after the same manner uh, of Adam. In other words, you and I, when we were born, we were born into sin. Amen. We were born into sin. We, we were, the day we hit the earth, we hadn't done anything wrong, but because Adam had sinned, we were born after the likeness of Adam. Amen. Somebody say, but praise God for Jesus. Because what Jesus did is Jesus got us out of what Adam got us into. The Bible says that Jesus came and that he died upon the cross, and that when he died upon the cross, it gave us the opportunity to be reborn and to be like the image of Christ. Amen? Amen. But here's what happened. In between Adam and Jesus, you and I have learned to live naturally. And so because we have learned to live naturally, it takes effort on our part to function in our divinity. Now, 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 understand what I'm saying. It is not impossible for you to live like Jesus. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. But it's going to require effort on your part. And if you will learn to put effort toward the things that God says to you, you can live just like God. Amen? Amen. I didn't say you would be God. I said you can live like God. I mean, no, God ain't sick. I mean, no, God ain't broke. I mean, no, if God was married, it wouldn't be dysfunctional. Amen? Praise God. And so what I'm trying to say to you this morning is that I'm going to teach you how to live a life that is pleasing not only to God, but is pleasing to you and for others to see. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. And this, you, uh, they don't have this on the screen, but it's okay. We'll get there in just a minute. Matthew chapter 5. And I'm talking about living the spiritually sensitive life. Living a life so that you don't have to always be doing a lot of rework. Amen. I'm trying to teach you how to hear the Holy Spirit and to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that you can hear and obey and not have tragedy in your life. So that you can hear and obey and avoid all destruction that comes in your life. Now, here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 at verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Because I told you the will of God is for you to live a good life, but it's also the will of God for people to see that life on you. Amen. The Bible says it is the goodness of God that draws me into what? Repentance. It is the goodness of God that makes men say, I want to serve God. So here's, here's what you've what you got to understand. You're God's goodness in the earth. Say, I am God's goodness in the earth. Now, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. He says, but if the salt has lost its taste, if it has lost its strength, and if it has lost its quality then how can its saltness be restored or be returned? He says it can't. It is not good for anything any longer but to be thrown out and trodden under the foot of men. It says you, however, are the light of the world. Somebody give God praise. He says you are the light of the world. Now this this goes along with the prophecy because the Lord says he's going to cause his light to do what? Shine where? Up on you and that others will see it and come to his glory. He says, so you are the light of this world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. He says, nor do men, uh, or neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but rather they put it on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16, he says, now let your light so shine where? 
before who? Men. That they may see what? Your good works and do what? Glorify who? Your Father in heaven. So it is the will of God for you not to be sick. It is the will of God for you not to be broke. It is the will of God for you to have functional relationships. It is the will of God for you to be promoted on your job. Watch this. It's the will of God for you to be the boss on your job. Someone says, well, how can you say that? Because the Bible says when the righteous are in authority, everybody else is rejoicing. So so your boss is waiting for a godly person, that's you, to show up and be an authority. But the Bible says that those things are not necessary for you if you're going to be like the candlestick that is lit and then hid under a bush. He says it's not necessary for you to be debt free. It's not necessary for you to be healed. It's not necessary for you to be the head. It's not necessary for you to be the lender. If I'm going to cause you to be all of those things, but then when I call you the salt, you lose all of your flavor. It is the will of God to bless you with everything in abundance. It is the will of God for you to live the best life ever. But God says, my will for you to live the best life is so that you can be a light to those who are not experiencing my goodness. And so what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to hear word this morning. And when you hear word this morning, this word is designed to cause you to grow up in the things of God so that what God desires to do for you can be done in your life, not just so you can enjoy it, but for so somebody else can enjoy it too. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, say countless numbers are waiting on you to walk in the blessing. Come on, somebody waiting on you to get healed. Somebody waiting on you to get delivered. Somebody waiting on you to get set free. Somebody waiting for you to have a testimony about how you in a bad situation and God got you out that situation. In other words, God is waiting to put you on display so that somebody can see your life and begin to glorify the Father. He said, but none of this can happen as long as you become, or long as you stay immature in your Christian walk. He says, you're going to have to develop and you're going to have to grow in the things of God. Amen? Now, let's see how we can do this. Go to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. I've been talking to you the last couple of weeks about what it means to be a spiritual father and what it means to be a pastor and, and, and all of those things. And I hope you understand that my job as your, as your pastor or my job as your spiritual father, however you perceive that, my job is to provoke you to excellence. I'll say that again. My job is to provoke you to excellence. Every time I teach the word, my job is for you to see an area in your life that needs some some growth and some development. My, My job is not to be your cheerleader all the time. My job is not to be your friend all the time. My job spiritually is to provoke you to become more like Christ. And part of understanding that is growing up so that you can receive word. Amen? We had a discussion, my wife and I, this morning. It was a wonderful example when she called me and talked about it. Some of you know that Taylor hasn't been here at our church in the last couple of weeks because she's been having ball games. But understand, being at a ball game does not excuse her from from not getting the word. Come on, somebody. Now, she's 13, but we don't excuse her from not getting word because she had a ball game. Just like I don't excuse you from not getting word because you had to work. I understand you got to work, but you're still responsible for every word that comes across his pulpit. I understand that you had a family event, but you're still responsible for every word that comes across his pulpit. I understand that you had some things you had to do out of town, but you are still responsible for the word. You tell your neighbor, say, you don't get a free pass on the word. No, my job is to deliver. Your job is to receive. 
And so if you're not here, then you got to do what's necessary to get the word that you missed so that you can put it into your life and then walk that thing out. So say that that's the vision of FOC. The vision of FOC is for me to teach word, for you to live word, and so you can teach word. Oh, come on, somebody. My job is to teach you word so that you can live word, so you can teach word to somebody who didn't know word. That's the whole vision that Jesus gave us. He says, look, I'm about to go back to my father. He said, but I need you to be a witness unto me. I need you to preach word. I need you to teach word. He said, in everywhere, start here and then progress out as you go. Now, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, verse 18, let's look at this. He says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law or he that keepeth instruction, he that keepeth the teaching of his father, he that keepeth the word of the pastor, he that learns the word and does the word, happy is he. Now, in the the Amplified, he says it like this, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God. Listen, understand, just because you go to church does not mean you get a redemptive revelation of who God is. In fact, I submit to you that if you can go to church on Sunday, do all your junk during the week and don't feel bad about it, you have not had a redemptive revelation of who God is. But I submit to you this morning, if you will stick around for the teaching, if you have not had a redemptive revelation, you'll get a redemptive revelation. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you must hear a word. See, I think it's amazing that people go to concerts and they don't go to sleep. Tell your neighbor, say, you talking about you? You talking about you? Yeah, yeah, see, see, yeah, I think it's amazing that you can pay $7.50 to go to a movie and sit for two hours and you don't go to sleep. But the moment the word of God is being preached, you fall asleep. Your flesh is dead and you're dull of hearing. Oh, but the Bible says anytime that you can see, hear, and understand, you are a prime candidate for being converted into that thing that you desire to be, which is the head and not the tail. But you've got to learn to hear word. You've got to learn to train yourself to say, you know what? I don't have to have a show in order to hear word. I just need to hear word. And the Bible says that where there is no vision, that people perish. Another translation says it like this. It says where there is no vision, no, no vision, the people run amok. In other words, if you go to a church and they're not interested in growing you up, they're just interested in how many people they can get in the house, if they're just interested in how much money they can raise, even though you go to church, you'll still live like a dog. Even though you go to church, you'll still commit fornication. Even though you go to church, you'll still commit adultery. Even though you go to church, you'll still cuss. Even though you go to church, you'll still steal. Even though you go to church, you'll still be just like everybody who doesn't go because there is no redemptive revelation of God in the house. But my job is to provoke you to have a redemptive revelation of God. My job is to cause you to say, you know what? There are some areas in my life and I refuse to tolerate them anymore. There's some areas in my life that don't line up with the word of God. I know they've been there. I've been pushing them down. But today I make a decision. I am becoming more and more and more and more like God right now, today. That's my decision. Glory to God. Now go to, go to Hosea. Now watch this. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. It says, my people, you can just look on the screen if you need to, my people are destroyed for lack of what? Knowledge. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Notice, he didn't say people get destroyed because of sin. Come on. 
He didn't say my people get destroyed because of sin. He says my people get destroyed because they refuse to learn how to overcome sin. He said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He says it's not that knowledge was not available, but because you have rejected the knowledge, because you went to sleep during the preaching, because you came halfway through the message, because your body was here but your mind never showed up, Because I didn't entertain you in the way you used to be entertained. You rejected the knowledge. He says, but watch this. My people perish because they don't have knowledge. Now, how many of you know that there's a lot of times, even in your own personal life, where you went to church and you left and didn't, where you weren't any better off? Do I have two folk in here who can understand what I'm talking about? But how many of you know that you can make a decision to come to church and learn something? And I've I've been a witness to this. It really don't matter how bad the preaching is. You can learn something. Oh, come on, I'm a witness. I have been some places where, where some folk could not preach their way out of a wet paper bag. But I learned something. Why? Because anytime you put yourself in a position to hear from God, God is obligated to speak to you. Now, I may not have learned nothing about what he was teaching, but I learned something, praise God. Because God is obligated to teach you if you are hungry. The Bible says any man who hungers and thirsts after God, he shall be fed. God said, you're never going to come to me wanting word and wanting change and not receive it. Is there anybody in here ready for change this morning? Well, praise God, let's get some change. Let's find out how we're going to receive this change. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Now, I'm just going to go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. We'll skip one. We read 1 through 6 last week, so let's just read verse 7 for the sake of time because i got some things i got to get to. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. It says, wisdom is what? The principal what? Thing. He says, therefore, get what? Wisdom, and with all of your getting, get what? An understanding. He says, listen, don't just come to church and know that it's wrong to sin. Come to church and find out how to get rid of sin. He said, don't just come to church and learn that you're supposed to give. Learn to come to church and hear word so that when it's difficult to give, you pass the giving test. He said, don't just come to church and understand that God might heal you. Come and read word and know that it's already the will of God, that you're already healed, and then learn some steadfastness to stand until your healing manifests. He says, wisdom is the principal thing. You gotta get wisdom. You gotta get understanding. The only way you get understanding is by hearing word. But the Bible says faith comes how? By hearing. Romans 10, 17, the more you hear word, the more faith rises up in you. The more faith rises up in you, the more tests that you pass. The more tests that you pass, the more testimonies that you have. The more testimonies that you have, the more blessing you can be to somebody else. Sometimes people can't be a blessing to somebody because you ain't been through nothing. Because everything that comes your way, you shrink and you die and you don't go through it and you never have a testimony. He says, get wisdom about this thing. God's going to give you the ability to overcome what's coming your way. But don't avoid what's coming your way. He says, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 5. He says, if any of you lack what? Wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, now tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, wisdom can be replaced with any other word. If any of you lack money, let him ask of God. Any of you lack healing, let him ask of God. Any of you lack joy, let him ask of God. Any of you lack a good marriage, you better ask God. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that God giveth to all men. Now watch this, the word all means everybody. 
So it is impossible then for you to go to God and tell God, God can't give you knowledge, God can't give you information because you did something so bad. No, it doesn't matter whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're male, whether you're female, whether you're Hispanic. It doesn't matter. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, if any of you lack anything, if you lack how to grow up spiritually, he says, let him ask God that God giveth all men liberally and unabradeth not, and it shall be what? Given how? To him. It's going to be given to him. Why? If he asks God, God's going to give it to him. That's why Pastor Sean said earlier, no man coming to Jesus asking to receive something ever walks away empty-handed. But notice there's a condition before when you ask. He says, but let him ask, come on, in faith, not just ask in faith, but your faith has to be an assured faith. It can't be an un- it can't be a wavering faith. It has to be an unwavering faith. He says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that waveth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Verse 7. He says, for let not that man, who? The man who's wavering and he's asking. The one who's not sure whether God's going to do the very thing he's asking for. God, I want you to help me grow up, but I don't know if God's going to help me grow up. He said that man might as well not have even asked. Why? Because he shall not receive what? Anything of who? The Lord. Why? Because a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all of his ways. When you come to church this morning, you got to come to church and say, God, this is my breakthrough day. You got to show up at church saying, God, this is the day I get the answer to the thing I've been believing for. God, this is the day that my manifestation shows up. God, this is the day that everything I've been believing for shows up in my life. I receive it before I ever get there, God. I don't care if you got to come to church like that for a year. That's your expectation every time you show up. Because every day has the opportunity to be your breakthrough. The moment you decide to let your expectation go, that was the moment that your breakthrough was about to show up. So the Bible says we got to get wisdom on this thing. We know what the vision is. The vision is for us to live a good life and for other people to see it. He says, now i got to get wisdom on this thing. How am I going to get wisdom to live the good life? He says, here's what's going to happen. Go to 1 John 5. And this is what we're going to do this morning, and here's what's going to happen this morning. Now, I just need to know before we go any further, or we can shut this thing down. Does anybody in here believe the word? Amen. Because if we don't have any believers, we can go to the house. Because nothing I teach you, nothing I say to you, nothing I do is going to benefit you if you don't believe the word. The Bible says that Jesus went back to his hometown and the Bible says he could not do many mighty works there because of whose unbelief? Not Jesus's. Because of who? Because of their unbelief. Now, it was the same Jesus who was doing mighty works everywhere else he went. It was the same Jesus that was healing the blind. It was the same Jesus that was raising the dead. It was the same Jesus that was, that was feeding the 5,000. But the Bible says he went back to his hometown, and because they perceived him as Mary and Joseph's little baby, that, that's, just, that's just the little boy down the street, he could not perform the same magnitude of work that he did in other places. Now, here's what the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13. It says, these things have I written unto you, glory to God, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have, what? Eternal life. He says, I'm writing this to you to let you know the issue of eternal life is already taken care of. Now, watch this. I'm going to show you something in a minute. Here's how you know the issue of eternal life has already been taken care of. He says, that you, he says and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask what? 
anything. Now, now wait a minute. Anybody in here born again? No, no, I got to see your hands. Anybody in here born again? Did you ask to be born again? Did you get born again? He says, well, if you ask to get born again and it happened, whatever else you ask for is going to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. He says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, Lord, save me to his will, he heareth us. Watch this. And if he heareth us, come on. He says, hear ye. Ch-. No, that's the wrong one. Come on. Come on. There you go. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever, come on, somebody, whatsoever, whatsoever we ask, we know that we want have the petitions that we desire of him. In other words, understand, here's how God works. You go to God and tell God what you need because you believe that God is and that God hears you, God answers you. And because God answers you, he says you can know you have it even before you ask it. Now, here's what you got to get this morning. We're talking about growing up spiritually. We're talking about spiritual development. We're talking about becoming mature in the word of God and not just being babies. So what I need you to do right now is to make a heartfelt confession. I need you to repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm asking you, it is my petition that right now you would give me the wisdom and the courage to make a decision to grow up and to develop in my spiritual wall. Now, you just got it. Oh, glory to God. Uh, something just happened. Something just changed. Something just switched. Something just transformed in your life. Because he says, whatsoever things you ask of him, he hears you. And if he hears you, then he answers your petitions. Glory to God. We're on our way to growing up. Now, let's go to our lesson text this morning. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians. Glory to God. Chapter 2, verse number 9. Now, say it. If you don't mind, will you hand me my Bible right there? Glory to God. Glory to God. Second Corinthians. You have it up here on the screen, but I've got some notes here that I've I got to show you this, man. This is good. Somebody shout three times, I'm growing up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glory to God. Second, First Corinthians. Glory to God. Chapter 2, verse number 9. Now, here's what it says. It says, but it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, how many know when you read verse 9, it almost seems like it's saying we don't know what God has available for us. Or we don't know what what God's going to do for us. How many of you know that this kind of misinterpretation brings around sayings like this? God works. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, there is nothing mysterious about God. In fact, he says it is written. He didn't say it was truth. He said it was written down. 
Come on. He said it's just written now. But notice he's correcting this for the Corinthian church in verse 10. He says it's written down that you don't know what God's going to do for you. It's written down you don't know how God's going to move. It's written down that you never know whether God's going to deliver you or not. It's written down that whether or not God's going to show up. Or we say things like this, God may not come when you, but he's always See, that misunderstanding doesn't get to verse 10. Verse 10, the first word in verse 10 is what? But. Now, but cancels out everything that said before it and solidifies everything that comes after it. He says, but God hath, say past tense, God has already revealed uh, them unto us. But notice how he reveals it. He does not reveal it because it's written down somewhere. He reveals it through his spirit. So if I don't grow up in the things of God to receive the Spirit of God, even though God has things available to me, they will become a mystery to me. He says, but God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit does what? It searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. It says, for what man knoweth the things inside of a man, except the Spirit which is inside that man? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but it does know the Spirit of God. Oh, come on. He, he says, understand that the Spirit of God doesn't know who you are. What the Spirit of God knows is the Spirit of God that's in you. No, no, no. You mean God doesn't know me? No, God doesn't know you. Who God knows is the Spirit that's in you. And what he knows is whether the Spirit that's in you is of him or if it is of your other father. Can I preach like I want to this one? Can I preach like I want to? He says, verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Glory to God. I am no longer, my father is no longer the devil. In times past, I walked according to the things out there. But that's not who I am anymore. He says, no, no, no. He says, no, 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 Corinthians. He says, you have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of who? God, why? That we might know, glory to God, the things that are what? Freely given, what? To us. Now, another trend, and somewhere else the Bible says this, God has given us all things that pertain to what? Life and, but you don't know what those things are if you don't get the spirit inside of you to tell you what they are. So even though you come to church and you hear people talk about being blessed, you hear people talk about being healed, you hear people talk about having good marriages, you hear people talking about having respectful kids, that thing always eludes you because your mind has not been transformed to hear what God has to say on the subject because you have not grown up to allow the spirit to mature in you. So because you have this dull spirit on the inside of you, because you have this inactive thing on the inside of you, God is talking to it, but it cannot talk to you because your flesh is so loud. I use this illustration on Wednesday night. How many of you know that if I'm sitting in front of a television set and you're sitting in front of a television set and we're right beside one another and I've got my TV up on level 5 and you got yours up on level 20, even though my TV is playing, I can't hear it. All I can hear is your TV. Some of you, your flesh is not on 20, it's not on 40, it's not on 6, your flesh is on 100. And so even though the Spirit of God is talking to you, you can't hear what God is saying to you. You can't hear God telling you, I want to heal you, I want to deliver you, I want to set you free, I love you more than anything you can imagine, because all you can hear is what is on this channel, which is saying you're going to be in debt, you're never going to be healed, you're never going to be delivered, you're going to always be sick, this is the best it's going to get for you. 
Nudge your neighbor. Say, neighbor, turn up the volume. Glory to God. How do I turn up the volume? I hear more word. I hear more word. And the more word I hear, the louder it gets to me. So when sickness comes my way, all I can think about is my God shall supply all of my needs. Every time I hear something about somebody coming against me, all I can hear because my volume is so loud is that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because I got my volume turned up. Take it up and say, pump up the volume. He says this, he says, now in verse 13, he says, which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teach, but which the Holy Ghost teach, because the Holy Ghost does this. He compares what? Spiritual things with what? Glory to God. He says, but the natural man receiveth, what? Not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. Why? Because they're spiritually, what? Discerned. That's why before you got born again and got filled with the Spirit of God, you thought it was lunatic to give money to get out of debt. (laughs) Because the principle of God says, if you don't have enough, give. But the wisdom of man said, if you don't have enough, save. The wisdom of God says, call those things that be not as though they were. But the wisdom of man says, you better keep it. So the question is, which one do I believe? Because whichever one I believe, watch this, that's what I'm going to receive. He says, this is why you got to grow up in the things of God. Because if you don't grow up in the things of God, you're going to be limited to what the natural man can comprehend. Glory to God. See, if, if, I, if I just focus on the fact that this is how many folk, this is how many folk, and this is how many folk we got in church, then when I hear God say to me, I want you to get another building. And I hear God say, I want you to get another building, and I don't want you to get no small building, because you're not going to be small, because you was never called to be small. So I need you to get a building that's at least as big as the one you got in Conway. The natural man says, that don't make no sense. Why in the world would you go get a building that's 10,000 square feet, and you ain't even got 10 folk? But all I understand is that the Spirit talks to my spirit. And every time my natural man talks about a small place, my volume gets so loud. My volume gets so loud. It says, whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to do it God's way or are you going to do it your way? And because my volume is so loud, I can't do it my own way. He says, but the natural man receive not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Look at verse 16. He says, but, or verse 15, he says, but, but he that is spiritual, watch this, he judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Verse 16, for who has known, who has known the mind of the Lord? Now, now stick a pen right there for just a second and look at me. Let me parenthetically insert this for just a moment. How many times have you heard somebody quote this? Our ways are not, and our are not. You need to back up and read the scripture that comes before that. He is talking about a wicked man. He's talking about a heathen. He's talking about an unrenewed man. He's talking about a man who is not sensitive to the Spirit of God. He's talking about a man who hasn't developed maturity. He's talking about a man who does not take time to develop the things of God. It is a lie that my ways are not his ways. My ways are the way.
ways of the Lord. Why? Because I have been transformed from being the wicked man he was talking about in that scripture to now the man who receives spiritual things and have them compared to spiritual things. You know why he's talking about a wicked man? Take a never say the word wicked means twisted. Here's what happens to a natural man. A natural man hears the things of the Spirit, but his natural man fights against it. So now what God says gets twisted in what he can see. It gets twisted in what he can hear. It gets twisted in what he feels. And so now what happens is that man becomes wicked, not that he's doing something evil, but because there is no purity of the word in his life. So then he says this. He says, what you've got to understand is that man has several different conditions. And let me give these to you real quick. Here are the conditions of man. Number one, the conditions of man. Understand the three spiritual conditions of mankind. Number one, there is what we call the natural man. The natural man is a man who has a life without Christ present and actively working in it. In other words, it was you before you got born again. Or in some cases, it's you now if you're not born again. Because watch this, coming to church doesn't make you born again. So you got the natural man. The natural man is the, is the man who, who, who can stay awake doing a concert but sleeps on the word. Because the, the, the word is boring to that man. The, the word is no, it's, it's, it's void of power to that man. But watching Beyonce shake it, that's power to that man. Oh, see? See, see, see what happens is, the th- because whatever you respond to is what you're passionate about. I can tell where your passion lies because of what I put in your eye gate. I can tell what's, what you're passionate about because of what I put in your ear gate. I, 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 I put the latest uh, Bootsy album in the radio, and, and you bumping and grind to that because you're passionate about Bootsy. Because now you can spell independent without a dictionary, you understand? And, and so now you can spell independent without a dictionary. Now, now you, see, some of y'all just woke up. Some of y'all just woke up. Why? Because I know what you're passionate about. I know what you're passionate about because when I start mentioning Boosie, your ears start to tingle. Come on. I start mentioning a particular movie and now you're starting to smile back at me. But ten minutes from now, when I get back into the Word, glory to God, and I start talking about that worldly stuff, now you're not excited anymore. I can tell what you're passionate about by what I put in your eye gate. The natural man is the man who is led by his own passions. He's led by the things that his eyes can see. He's led by what he can feel with his libido. He's led by the very things that he wants to feel and desire within himself. The natural man has no reverence for God. And and for the most part, because we grew up, a lot of us in the South, we understand that there ought to be some reverence for God. And so we go to church and, and we get born again, and most of the time we just get the hell scared out of us. And that's what really happens. You, 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 somebody preach a real good fire brimstone message about how it's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth and how you're going to have your flesh come back on your body every day and it's going to burn off every night and how your bones are going to be tormented and worms are going to crawl through your body. And every day, for every day, for every day, for eternity, that's the best it's ever going to get. And you run to the altar, Lord, save me. 
And because God's so good, God does. He saves you. Because you cried out to him, he saves you. But because there's no redemptive revelation, you never move, never move beyond God just saving you. you. You never move beyond finding out how much he loves you. And, how, and, how you and, and it ain't about rules and regulations, but because how much he loves you, how you ought to reciprocate that love to him through obedience. And so what happens is you fall into this second state, which is what we call the carnal man. The carnal man is a born-again person. He is on his way to heaven. And when he dies, he will show up in heaven. But watch this. He's going to live like hell before he gets there. The born-again, the carnal man is a born-again man, but he is still guided by his own sinful nature. He's born again. Watch this. Doesn't mean he doesn't love God. He's born again. He loves God, but he loves some good sex, too. Come on. He loves God, but every now and then, he just got to smoke a blunt. He just likes to feel how it gets high just every now and then. Come on. He loves God, but every now and then, a little vodka and Red Bull just hits the spot. Just every now and then, just every now and then, going out and just doing a little something-something in another city where don't nobody know me, where I can just cut loose. It's really what I want to do. You are carnal. I did it. You are carnal. Why? Because you desire the things you desire with no reverence for what God desires. So what happens is this. You say, well, you're born again, but you live like a man who's not. And then you become a worse witness for the kingdom than the natural man. Because at least the natural man would say, hey, I ain't saying. I'm just doing my thing, baby. I let it do what it do. I'm keeping it real. At least the natural man ain't coming to church and going to sleep. The natural man does his sleeping at home. At least the natural man is not coming to church doing praise and worship and not lifting his hands. At least the natural man is going to take his money and make it produce for his life because he's going to sell some weed or something. The natural man is going to do what the world says do, but you're born again. You ain't got enough sense to live by the kingdom, and you're too silly to live by the world. So you end up being broken, a bad testimony for the Lord. I'm trying to get you to grow up this morning. I'm trying to get you to make a decision. Am I going to be born again and live like it? Or am I going to be born again and live carnal? Glory to God. So the natural man and the carnal man. But then we get this man, this spiritual man. Now we get the FOC. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now we get to some people who love God. Now we get to some people who are living for God. It's a born-again believer who is developing and growing in their spiritual walk every day. Anna and I were driving down this morning, and we were talking about raising kids. And I was saying that, you know, Taylor's at home today because uh, she's getting ready for a ball game. But there were times that I could have never left her at home by herself. Not even for a few hours before somebody had to pick her up to go to a game because she, she had not matured to that level yet. But watch this. It didn't happen overnight. It's been 14 years of instruction, 14 years of examples, 14 years of correction before she got to this point. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect today. I'm saying it can start today. I ain't saying you ain't never going to mess a mistake. I ain't saying you ain't never going to mess up. I'm saying today can be the day that you start reducing the mistakes that you make. This spiritual man gets downloaded fresh information.
transformation every day, glory to God. Every day this spiritual man uploads his hard drive to hear what God has to say. And what you've got to do is you've got to make a decision. I'm not going to be that carnal man anymore. I am going to become a spiritual man. Now, understand, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are saying, but pastor, I tried this before. Pastor, I tried my best before. I have tried. I have tried. I told God I wasn't going to do it no more. I told God I wasn't going to say it no more. I told God I wasn't going to do her no more. I told God I wasn't going to do him no more. But every time, pastor, it seems like I'd be good for a while, but there's something that happened, and I fall right back into the very thing that I loathe. Watch this, watch this, watch this. God understood that you were going to have issues as long as you were trying to handle it. It is the reason he was willing to die on the cross, not just for the redemption of your sins, but so that he could get himself in you. Glory to God. He says, listen, understand, as long as I am present here in this body, I can't be in you. He says, as long as I'm in this body, I am limited to being in one particular place. He says, but if I go to the Father, I will send the promise, glory to God, of the Holy Ghost back to you, and it will quicken your mortal bodies, and it will teach you and lead you into all understanding. So the whole purpose for why God, for why, why God sent Jesus to die was, number one, to get us out of sin, but number two, to give us a direction to stay out. Because what good does it do to get out of sin but to still be a bondage to sin? I told you on last week, the very first debt release God ever did for you, God released you from, from the debt of sin. The Bible says you are no longer in bondage to sin. Amen? But here's the, here, here's the problem. There's a battle going on. Tell your neighbor, say, there's a fight taking place inside of me. Go to Romans chapter 8. Come on, come on, go to Romans chapter 8. And, and, and actually, before you go to Romans chapter 8, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17, then you can go to Romans chapter 8. Now, now look up here, watch this. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, if any man be where? In who? Christ. He is, not he might be, not he could be, not possibly, but it says if you're in Christ, you are what? A new, he says old things are what? Behold, or watch this, all things are what? He said, and all things are of who? So whatever you had in you before, it's not there no more. If I could get this past your head, if I could get this past your head, I'd change your life. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are past. Now, he's a colon there after creature, so he's listing something. He said, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are now of who? God. So the born-again man evicts the devil the moment he gets saved. Oh, glory to God. But he's got to get the Holy Spirit in his life in order to maintain the house. How many of you know you can buy a house, but if you don't ever move into it, somebody can come in and break in? And watch this. If they break in and you don't notice that they broke in and they stay there long enough, they'll set up house. When you get born again, that's why you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost so that everything that got evicted can't come back. Yeah, yeah, because, because 
everything that, that lived in you before is familiar with where it lives. And even though you put it out, it has a desire to come back. And the Bible says you got to make sure ain't no windows open. you got to make sure ain't no doors open. you got to make sure ain't no walls broken down. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will teach you, lead you, and guide you how to close up all those gaps in your life. <laughs> Pastor, I need an example. You get born again, the first thing the Holy Ghost says is break up with him. Why? He's trying to close gaps. <laughs> I'm preaching better than you saying amen. You get born again, and the first thing he says is, don't hang around him no more for right now. Why? He's trying to close some gaps. But what happens is, is because you're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit tells you, you need to separate yourself from some people right now, and what you say is, no, I need to be a witness to them. Watch this. If you were so smart, you'd already have the answer. Now, now I'm going to show you that I'm not making this up. That's what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says if you already knew the answer, you'd have already done the right thing. But the fact that you did the wrong thing shows me you don't have the right answer. Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Go back. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, 19. Praise God. He says, to wit that God was in Christ. Watch what he was doing. Reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing our trespasses unto us. He has committed unto us the word of what? Reconciliation. God wasn't going around saying to us, now you're born again, but you remember what you did. He said, no, 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 no. In fact, before you got born again, it says God was already in Christ reconciling us back to himself. He was already working out everything we had did wrong so that once we came to him and said, I want to be forgiven, the situation was already taken care of. Glory to God. The Bible will preach to you if you'll read it. He says, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing the trespass unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are, watch this, ambassadors of who? Christ. Watch this. Ambassadors go to foreign countries. There are no ambassadors of the United States in the United States. So you talk about you're an ambassador for Christ, but all you ever do is talk to somebody in FOC. You, you say you're an ambassador for Christ, but you go out on, the, on your job and you don't mention nothing about God. But the moment you see somebody at FOC, now you testify. He says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beg of us, beseech us. He says, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye what? Reconciled, what? To God. He says, not only be born again in your spirit, get your soul to line up. Don't just be partially reconciled to God. We know that your spirit man got taken care of, but you got some effort you got to do to get your natural mind lined up with the things of God. All right, now let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 8. Now now watch this, come on. I'm going to talk about Bootsy again in a minute for those of you who need Bootsy to wake up. He says, there is therefore now, watch this, now that you understand that you have been reconciled to God, now that you understand that God is living in you, now that you understand that God's not going around trying to hold your past against you, he says, now because you know that, there is now no condemnation to them which stay in Christ. So where does condemnation come from when I get in the flesh? 
That's why I got to grow up into the things of God so I can stay in the spirit so that what I used to do doesn't come and plague me for what I'm trying to do right now. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ who walk not after, come on, after the what? But after what? It says, for the, law of the, the, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us what? Free from what? The law of sin and death. Somebody shout, I'm free from every sin and every bondage. Well, free people shout. I guarantee you when they finally got word on Juneteenth they was free, they didn't just do what you just did right there. They had been in bondage for 400 years and they got a word that they wasn't slaves no more. They did not stand up and go, praise the Lord. They just found out we ain't in a master house no more. We free. I'm telling you, you are not in the devil's house no more. You are free this morning. You are not in bondage anymore. You are free. You are not a subject to sin. You are free. Now, I know you dignified, but your dignification is what's keeping you broke. Your dignification is what's keeping you bound. Your dignification is what's keeping you sick. You better learn to act a fool if you need to get free. Romans chapter 8, notice this. He says, for what the law couldn't do. Now notice this, I have tried to do this thing right all my life. I have tried to keep the law, but what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, in in that it was weak because I couldn't keep the commandment, it says God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin where? In the flesh. It said Jesus took on the form of man so that he could come and condemn sin in the flesh. So sin couldn't say, well, the flesh can't be, can't be, I can't be whipped in the flesh. It's like this. Jesus went to sin's yard and whooped sin in sin's yard. Now, now some of y'all ain't fighters, you know, but I've had my share of five or six or seven. You know, so, so, so you got to understand, it's one thing to fight a man in a neutral spot. Because if I got in a fight at school, I say, you know what? Meet me on the corner of Prince Street over there by the high school. We'll take care of this issue in just a minute. But you didn't ever go to somebody's house. Because you weren't really sure what they had in their house or in their yard. But if somebody came to your yard, you were sure going to whip some tail. Jesus said, I'll come to your house. Now, I'm going to come to your house. You can lock the gate. We'll go in your backyard. I'll let you call everybody you want to, and I will strip you naked in front of all of them. And the Bible says in Colossians that he whooped him and made a public show of him openly. Now, I know they didn't, but if they had had YouTube back then, God would put that on YouTube. <laughs> you just saw the devil get knocked out. God would have put that on YouTube for everybody to see. Because you know when somebody gets knocked out, the first thing they do, put it on YouTube. Glory to God. Now watch this. It says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh. Walk not after the flesh, but after what? The spirit. Number five. For they that are after the flesh, watch this, what do they pay attention to? The things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, what do they pay attention to? The things of the Spirit. 
watch this, for to be carnally minded, to be that man who's born again, but lives like a dog, to be that man results in death. But to be spiritually minded is what? It's life and shalom. It's prosperity and blessings. Verse 7. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Now let me ask this question. Anybody in here have the NIV version of Romans 8, 7? You got an NIV? If you have an NIV, 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 I need you to stand up and for just a second, as loud as you can, read verse 8. I mean, Romans 8, verse 7, if you got the NIV. Now listen to this. I don't care who read it first. Did somebody read it? All right. What does yours say? What does yours say? What does yours say? So it says it's hostile to God. Not just one Bible, four Bibles. Thank y'all. It says that the simple mind. Now, now watch it. The, the what kind of mind? Simple. Now, you know you've been talking to somebody before and you've been mad and you call them a simpleton? Oh, you said they got a simple mind? How many of you know you wasn't praising them? The Bible says that the simple mind, the, the carnal mind, the unrenewed mind is what? Hostile. Come on, you got to get this word in here. It's hostile to God. Now, what does it mean to be hostile? It means it fights against. He says, so if you're a carnal man, you're always going to be fighting against God. Newsflash, you'll never win. You will never win fighting against God. He says the hostile mind, he says the simple mind is hostile against God. Verse 8, it says, so then they that are in the flesh, watch this, they cannot do what? Please God. Number 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If. Not because you come to church. If. Not because you fast. If. Not because you give tithe and offering. If so be that the Spirit of God does what? Dwells, not visits. Not because you get a God moment, but because it dwells in you. It lives in you. It stays there. Even when folk getting on your nerves. Even when folk all around you are cursing and using profanity, the Spirit of God is dwelling in you so you don't do what they do. He says, now if any man have not the Spirit of God, have not the Spirit of Christ, then he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But if the spirit of life, it says, but the spirit is, of, is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are what? Debtors, but we are not debtors to what? The flesh. To live after the flesh. Verse 13, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, glory to God, do take care of all of those moral issues, if you mortify your bodies, mortify the deeds of the body, you shall do what? Live or experience Zoe kind of life. So, Pastor, why do you want us to grow up? So that you don't die. So that you don't die physically because God's trying to tell you to stop eating something, but you serve that stomach God and you keep eating it and then you get cancer and you keep putting sugar in your body and it accelerates the cancer. You want us to pray for you while you're still eating sugar, you're still smoking, still eating pork, still drinking sodas, and now we're trying to pray for you, but you're killing yourself the whole time.
He says, if you serve the deeds of your body, you shall die. So you got to learn to listen to the Spirit. Watch this. He didn't say you got to learn to understand it. He didn't say you had to understand what the Spirit was saying. He said you got to hear it and do it. God tells you don't eat sugar no more. You don't have to have a dissertation about why you shouldn't eat sugar. God tells you to get off carbonated drinks, get off of coffee. He don't need no dissertation about why. It's, it's like your mama used to tell you. Cause I... I knew you done heard that before. Because I said so. God said you need to break up. Well, God, why I got to break up? Because I said so. God said erase his number out your phone. Why? Because I said so. You got to learn to mortify the deeds of your body if you expect to live and experience the Zoe kind of life. Now watch this. Here's the reality of the carnal Christian's frustration. Romans chapter 7. Just flip back one. Here's the reality. Because to be a carnal Christian is, is, uh, is, is, what's the word I'm looking for? It is tumultuous. Tumultuous. It's it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard work. To, to live the life of a carnal Christian is, is, is so it takes so much effort. It, it, to, to live the life of a carnal Christian, it, it takes so much time and energy because you've got to remember what lie you told. You've got to remember who you told it to. You've got to remember what time you told it. You, you understand? Instead of just telling the truth, you've got to come up with all these reasons for, for why you did what you did. And you've got to hide from, from her so she don't know that you went to his house because you're on a DL. And you got all this stuff that you're dealing with. It's just better to just be truthful. No, to be a carnal Christian takes so much time and energy because I gotta act like I'm a big giver in front of you, but I know I ain't gave nothing the last month. No, no, no. To, to be a carnal Christian takes so much effort because I gotta get out the comfort of my home and come to Friday night prayer and act like I fell on my face when I'm really back there asleep. See, the natural man just didn't come to church. The natural man just didn't give. The natural man just tell you what he did. But the carnal Christian lives a life that's far worse than even the natural man. Romans chapter 7. Can y'all handle a few more minutes? Romans chapter 7. Now let's go to Romans. Glory to God. Romans chapter 7. Oh, man. Let's, let's, let's start at verse, I think I said verse 14, but I actually, uh, we'll, we'll start, we'll, well, keep that right there. I'm going to read out of the King James first, and, I, and you read out to whatever you have, and then we're going to go to the screen in just a minute. Keep that just right there. I'm going to start at verse 11, Romans 7, verse 11. Here's the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to the Roman church. The Roman church was a group of people who loved God, but had not become renewed in their mind. They, he, Paul had, had, had taught them word, and, and they had heard word, but after Paul left, they had so many traditions, they had so many rules, they had so many regulations, it pulled them back into being basically like they were prior to their salvation. 
Paul gets word of this, and Paul begins to write them, and he says to them, I'm going to come back to you, and when I come back to you, I'm going to come back to you in the fullness of the blessing. But until I get there, I need you to read this, and I need you to be a student of the word, because there are things that I'm hearing about you that I should not be hearing. He says to them, he says, now you wrote to me, and we don't have the letter that he wrote, but you can tell what, he's, what they said to him by what he wrote in response to them. He says to them, he says, now, they say to him, now we have been struggling to do the things that you said. Because every time we try to do it, we end up making a mistake. In fact, we, we, we pray every night. We say, God, don't let us do this. God, we don't want to go back to the temple of Diana no more. God, we don't want to go back and sleep with the prostitutes anymore. But every time we say we ain't going to do it, we find ourselves down there at the temple with the prostitutes again. And so they wrote to him, and Paul says to them, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to tell you how to be free. That's what I want you to understand. I'm not here to judge you this morning. I'm here to tell you how to be free. So he says to them in verse 11 of chapter 7, he says, For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and it slew me. In other words, sin killed me. He says, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just and good. He says, Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me, that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Verse 14. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual. Watch this. Paul says, but I myself am what? Carnal, sold under sin. He says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would do, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. For then I do that which I would not. I can sin unto the law that it is good. He says, now then it is no more I that do it. Watch this. But it's sin that does what? Dwell in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, my carnal nature, dwells what no good thing it says for to will or to do the right thing is present with me but how to perform that which is good watch this i can't even find it he says for the good that i would i do not but the evil which i don't want to do guess what i do it he says now if i do that i would not it is no more i that do it but it's what sin that dwelleth in me tell your neighbor say neighbor god has a plan for you to win this battle. Now, let's go. Just look up here. This is the same thing we just read at the message translation. This is so good. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, I can anticipate the response that is coming. He says, I know that all God's commandments are what? He says, but I am what? He said, God's word is spiritual, but I'm not. Now, we done already learned this morning that if God's word is spiritual and I'm not, how can I receive God's word? I can't. He says, isn't this also your experience too? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. Anybody a witness in here? He said, I learned, I, I spent a long time doing the wrong thing. He says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things, watch this, I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted, glory to God, to figure out what is best for myself and then to do it, it becomes obvious that God's commands are necessary. <laughs> well, why I got to do what the Bible says? Because you keep messing up. 
Why I got to do what the pastor say? Because you tried it your way ten times, and ten out of ten times, you have failed. Well, why do I have to come to church two times a week? Because you need to hear word, because the more words you hear, the less dumb mistakes you'll make. He said, it's obvious that if I can't, make, I can't do good on my own, it's obvious that I need God's word. He says, but I need something more, glory to God. For I, somebody say, I need the word. He says, for I know the law, but I still can't what? You know not to fornicate, but you keep fornicating. You know not to smoke, but you're still smoking. You know not to drink, but you're still drinking. You know to pray, but you don't pray. You know to fast, but you don't fast. You know to give, but you don't give. You need something more. You need a word. He says, for I know the law, but I still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions... I obviously need, somebody say, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to keep failing. I got news for you. God's here to help you this morning. I got news for you. God's here to help you. He says, I realize that I don't have what it takes. Oh, I wish somebody would get revelation. I'm going to stop cussing. You ain't got what it takes. This is my last drink. You lying? You ain't got what it takes in you. Only the Holy Spirit is going to be able to stop you from doing what you don't want to do. I don't want to be this way no more. You're never going to wheel your way out of it. you got to get the Holy Spirit a word on it. He said, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but what? I can't do it. I decide to do good, but what? I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I would. Do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in what? Actions. Glory to God. My decisions don't result in actions. How many of you know that is, the, that is indicative of a childish mentality? Come on. You tell a little kid, don't do that no more. Their desire is not to do it anymore because they don't want the consequence. You ever put your kid in timeout, they got a timeout and did the same thing again? Or wrong church. That would beat the heck out y'all kids. And we don't do timeout around here, Pastor. Our timeout is knock them out. Whatever you use, have you ever done that to your kids before? Told them don't do it no more. And before the day was over, they did the same thing again. It wasn't that they wanted to get a whooping again. I know my mama used to think that about me. It wasn't true, mama. I would to do good. It was sin that made me do it. When she told me, don't, don't, don't play with them matches in this house no more. Them matches were sitting over there. I was in my room minding my business, and I heard some say, Edwin. And before I knew it, I was in the kitchen playing with your matches. I wanted to do the right thing, but I didn't know how. I didn't have the Holy Ghost inside of me to tell me, don't do it, and then help me not do it. You laugh at me, but what you playing with? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says, my decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. He said it happens so regularly that it's what? Predictable. God. 
I can tell about every six months you're going to stop coming to church. I can tell about every three months you're going to stop showing up for prayer. I can tell about every two months you're going to stop giving. Why? Because it happens so regularly, I can set my watch by it. He says it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Come on, this is preaching to you. If this, is, this is the problem with being carnal. Because you're always going to feel like this. If I can get you to grow up spiritually, you don't have to experience this. And we've all experienced this before. He said, it's pretty obvious, man, that not all of me joins in the delight of serving God. Parts of me covertly rebel. Typically, it's below your waist. Covertly rebelling. I know this ain't the men's conference, but I got to help y'all this morning. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge of me. See, the Holy Spirit will tell you, don't answer that phone after 12 o'clock. <laughs> Some of y'all know it's true. Some of y'all know it's true. The phone rings, and you look at it. It ain't like you ain't got names in your phone. I mean, it ain't like it's secret. You, my boo. Okay, well, you know if that's your boo on the phone. And you know what time it is. You know they ain't calling to ask you if you sleep. Because if you listen to the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will tell you whether to answer the phone. Because when Cedric called me last night, I was like, who is this? Cedric. Lord, if Cedric got a problem or Cedric just got issues? He said, no, answer the phone. Cedric has something he needs to say. So I answer the phone. Every time you call me, it is not because I'm not available. I am trying to help you. You got to learn to hear the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I don't answer your phone call because God wants you to ask him and not me. You don't need no other opinion. You need to hear God. And because I'm led by the Spirit, I determine whether I answer your phone call based on what the Holy Ghost says. He just happened to say, yeah, when Pastor Sean called all the time. But I still ask him, praise God. <laughs> Verse 24, he said, I tried everything and nothing helps. Come on. Anybody felt like this? I'm at the end of my road. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? And then he says, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Glory to God. You ought to give God some praise. You ought to give God some praise for that. Glory to God. It says, he acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and all of my mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. So what's your help this morning? Jesus Christ. Not Jesus Christ on the cross, Jesus Christ in you. The hope of glory. 
Jesus Christ in you, being filled with the Holy Ghost. If you can't hear God speak, you need to get full of the Word. You need to have somebody lay hands on you. You need to say, God, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not just about speaking in tongues. The Bible says the fruit or the manifestation or the evidence of the Spirit is this. Love, patience, joy, meekness, goodness, steadfastness. Understand, all of those, all of those elements are things that come out of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to know you got the Holy Spirit or not, it's not whether you speak in tongues. I know some mean folk when I was growing up who spoke in tongues. Like, whoa! Now the Bible say bitter and sweet ought not come out the same fountain. So it's not about what tongue you talk in. It's about your character and behavior. Because watch this. You can fool me sometime, but you can't fool me every time. Whatever is in you will eventually come out of you. You get enough pressure on you, I don't, you can be around the first apostle, or bishop, prophetess, or whatever, and whatever's in you is going to come out of you. Now, you might be sorry afterward, but if it's in you and enough pressure to get on you, you're going to say whatever you want to say. <laughs> you can be around TDJ. You know, get ready, get ready. Somebody step on your shoe. And before you know it, somebody done came out your mouth and they ain't get ready. Oh, you better get off my shoe. I know how much I paid for this. See, that's what's in your heart. Come on. Watch this. So here, here, here's what I want us to get to. I want us to get to the place that we're not struggling no more. Glory to God. I want us to get to the place where we're not struggling to believe God no more. That when we hear God say something, we just obey God. I want us to start talking big like we heard. Whatever God say, I want us to start repeating it. God said this building full. We everybody, we say, how many people y'all got? Man, we full over there. Then you get them saying, man, I heard fellowship of champions full. Before you know it, they done called in what you done already said. Now, here, here, are some, here are some benefits. Let's, let's go to this. I want to give you these and then we're going to go. Here are the benefits of living the spiritually sensitive life. Tell your neighbor, say, it pays to hear and follow God. Now, the Bible says it like this in the book of Acts. It says that after the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be endued with what? Power. That word power there is the Greek word dudamus. It's the Greek word deutimus. It's the, word, the same word that they get when they talk about the word dynamite. So the power of God is like dynamite. Now, how many of you know that you can have a mountain that is blocking the way for where a road needs to go? You can take dynamite and blast through that mountain. Watch this. And now what was impassable now becomes passable. The power of God is just like that. The devil puts something in your life, but rather than you running from it, you use the power of God and blast right through it. I ain't talking about going around it. I ain't talking about going over it. I'm talking about going through it. You ever been to a football game? Anybody ever been to any, any high school football game, anything? You ever seen the players run out? And when they run out, what do they typically run out? When they run out of the tunnel, what do they run through? A little sheet, a little banner or something. Do you ever wonder why they don't run around that banner? 
Because there's power in demonstration of breaking through. If you saw a football team run out, bam, break through, and the other team came out and walked around that banner, you'd be like, oh, they beat already. Well, that's what the devil does when he looks at you. Are you going to use the word of God to go through your issues or are you going to run around them? You're going to use the word of God to go through those obstacles or are you going to sit there and try to hop over them? The word of God is powerful. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a, it's, a, it's a particular movie I like. You don't have to like it. Called Kill Bill. Whatever. Anyway, anyway, the thing I like about Kill Bill is that uh, the lady had, the lady had a, a man to make her a sword. And the sword was, see, see, some of y'all don't saw Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sharp. It's so sharp that it's sharp enough to cut another sword. And that, for me, illustrates what the Word of God is. The Word of God is strong enough to cut whatever the devil throws my way. So here are the advantages of living a spiritual, sensitive life. We're going to be done. The advantages of living a spiritual, sensitive life. Number one, it is the key to supernatural manifestations and anointings. It is the key. You do not get to see the power of God show up in your life supernaturally if you are not walking in the Spirit. You can believe for debt, for supernatural debt deliverance all you want to. Unless you're walking in the Spirit, it'll never happen to you. It is also uh, the, the key to the anointing of God. If you take your notes, just put Isaiah 11 and 2. Isaiah 11 and 2. Because in Isaiah 11 and 2, it describes for you the facets of the anointing, and the facets of the anointing cannot be productive in your life without the Spirit of God being there. Now, here's what he says in Isaiah 11 and 2. He says, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon you. So when I have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It says the spirit of wisdom and understanding will come, amen? And so the spirit of understanding is going to come. The spirit of wisdom is going to come. The spirit of counsel and the spirit of might are going to come upon me. And the spirit of knowledge and of the fear, the awe factor of God is going to be in my life. Now, I'm telling you, if you get this in your life, nothing can stop you. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. I said nothing can stop you. You get this in your life, not having a degree can't stop you. Glory to God. You get this in your life, not graduating from college cannot stop you. You get this in your life, being black can't stop you. You get this in your life, being a woman can't stop you. Nothing society puts on you can stop you if you'll get this in your life, but you can't get this in your life without asking the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in your house. The Bible says to us in 1 Corinthians, and I'm not sure exactly, I think it's the sixth chapter, but it basically says this is that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We, we, our, our bodies are the temples of the living God. Amen? So number two. Number one, it is the, it is the key to supernatural manifestation and anointing. And number two, it is the key to avoiding mistakes and mishaps. Have you ever done something, and then when you got through, it didn't turn out good, and when you, said, when you reflected on it, you said, something told me? Hey, come on, anybody, anybody, just raise, anybody ever said that? Something told me. It usually goes something like this. Some told me don't date him. Some told me don't get him no money. Some told me they wasn't no good. 
But how many of you know that that something is that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit? See, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman because the Holy Spirit is a personality. It's not an it. It's a he. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to scream at you. The devil is not a gentleman. He will scream at you. Hit it! but you know it's your mama. You, you, you can't see it, but you know because you are so used to hearing mama's voice. I want you to get used to hearing daddy's voice. I want you to get used to hearing Abba Father's voice. So that even while people are laughing and playing and doing all this other kind of stuff, when he calls your name, your ears perk up. He said, it is the key to avoiding mistakes and mishaps. Amen? Amen. Number three, it is the key to lifestyle evangelism. You are never going to convince anybody to follow you to your church, and you are acting like a fool everywhere you go. You are never going to convince anybody that they ought to love your God when every time they see you, you got an attitude. You are never going to convince anybody that they ought to come to your church, they ought to follow your God, when every time you get in a bad situation, you're talking about, woe is me, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. You've got to let the Holy Spirit do its work. Uh, I believe Donald Lawrence says like this, you've got to let the Word do the work. You've got to let the Word do the work. And if you let the Word do the work, you don't even have to open your mouth sometimes to witness to people. You ain't got to open your mouth. People will just look at you, and they'll just, they'll start talking to you. They'll start telling you all their problems, and you're like, what in the world is going on? They see the anointing on your life. They see the Spirit of God on your life. They know you got the answers, even though they can't articulate you got the answers. Number four, it is the key to holy living and integrity. Now, let me help you, and let me tell you what's not a blessing. You go to the bank. You cash a check for $250. They give you $350. That is not the time to call your prayer partner and shout about the blessing that God gave you. It is your time to turn your car around, go into the bank, and say, Ma'am, excuse me, I am not sure if you are aware of this, but you gave me $100 too much. Now, all of y'all thinking, oh, I ain't going to do that. I know, devil. <laughs> now, here's what integrity says. Integrity says, I don't need an extra $100 bad enough to cause somebody to lose their livelihood. It says, I got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, and if God can't give me $100, I don't need an extra $100. So you go back in the bank, and you say to her, ma'am, you may not be aware of this, but you gave me $100 extra too much. And she'll probably be at first like, no, I didn't, because people don't like to make, admit they made mistakes. And she'll start to look through her little thing, and she'll tally it all up. And if she says to you, no, that's the right amount, then you say, okay, thank you. 
But it's not a blessing until you have brought it to their attention. Until you have given them the opportunity to correct it. Integrity says this. I don't borrow somebody's kid when it's tax time. Well, I bought him some school clothes. That that ought to be good enough, devil. No, 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 no. And when I, the Holy Spirit doesn't just guide me in spiritual affairs. The Holy Spirit guides me in everything, even my natural affairs. So it's the key to holy living. It's the key to integrity. It's the key for keeping yourself in a position so you can do number three, which is to be an evangelist to those people who are watching your lifestyle. Number five. It's the key to spontaneous giving. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, you ain't never going to give. Except for when you are prodded to. Right, or you feel that it benefits you. But spontaneous giving says I'm standing in Walmart and God says pay for the ladies' groceries who's standing behind me. Spontaneous giving says I'm in the mall and I see a shirt that I think somebody else would like and even though I would really like to have this shirt, the Lord tells me to buy this other shirt for them. I obey God, buy them a shirt and don't buy me one. Spontaneous giving says, hey, I heard there's a need. I heard we're going to get a building in northwest Arkansas. I want to give to it. But I ain't got the Holy Spirit, so I think, well, I'm not ever going to northwest Arkansas. Why should I give to that? But you're receiving a benefit of a blessing that somebody gave to this location before you ever got here. It is the key to spontaneous giving. I'm not talking about you, uh, about what amount to give, but the Bible says that you ought to be doing mitzvahs every day. That's the Hebrew word for a good deed, a mitzvah. You ought to find somebody that you can bless every day. Can you give somebody a ride? Can you cut somebody grass? See, I ain't cutting nobody grass, but I pay to cut your grass. <laughs> Praise God. But whatever, whatever works for you. Number six. It's the key to building fruitful relationships. How many know if you don't have the Holy Ghost in your life, it'll tear relationships up? I never understood how somebody could be friends for 20 years and fall out because of $5. I mean, you've been friends all this time, and now because somebody couldn't hit the pause button. Come on. You couldn't hit the pause button. Now, now they've been your friend since y'all was playing in the sandbox in kindergarten, and now you meet a new friend, and a new friend now tell you that the old friend talking about you, and now you get mad at the old friend. Are you out your mind? Are you crazy? You're not being led by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that God is not the author of? So if there's confusion going on, guess who didn't start it? Amen. Number seven. It is the key to revelation and insight into Scripture. Any of you ever read the Word before and didn't have a clue? I mean, you read it out of the, out of the NIV. You read it out of the King James, the New King James, the Amplified, the Message. You read it out of everything you could find, and it didn't make no sense to you. But then somewhere along the lines, you heard the Word of God, and you got born again, you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and now you can make sense of revelations. 
Why? Because the Bible tells us over there in 2 Corinthians, it said if the Spirit compares spiritual things to what? God's Word is what? So then your natural man can't comprehend it. You've got to get the Holy Spirit on the inside of you if you're going to understand uh, revelation and get insight into Scripture. Number eight, it's the key to hearing the voice of God. Say this. Say, God is always speaking. Say it again. Say, God is always speaking. Here's the problem. You're not always in a position to hear it paints the picture of a quarterback. If a quarterback drops back to throw a pass and he told a guy to run it out, but the guy actually runs an in route or he runs a slant, even though he threw the ball in the right place, is the guy in a position to catch it? Absolutely not. If I tell him to run a fly and he runs a curl, I'm going to overthrow him. Now, it wasn't a bad pass. It was a bad route. God's always speaking. Tell your neighbor, say, God throws perfect passes. <laughs> How is your route running? How is your route running? Can you follow the instruction? You, you, you ever seen a, some of y'all don't watch football, but some of you guys will get this. You, some of you ladies will too. Uh, you ever seen a busted play? A busted play is when they go into the huddle, they call a play, they go up to the line, and somebody don't go where they're supposed to go. Right, right. And, and even though it's only one person who didn't go where they were supposed to go, it looked like the whole team didn't know what was going on. That's how it looks in your life. You disobey God in one area. Just one area, just one area of your life, you don't get under control, and that thing will spread and make you look like your whole life is in turmoil. Number nine, it is the key to effectively functioning in the gifts in the body. Now, we've got a scripture here. We're going to go to this one. It is the key to effectively function in the, in the gifts in the body. Now, just look up here real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now, Paul writes to the Corinthian church. Say, the Corinthian church had issues. They had so many issues, both of Paul's letters are longer to the Corinthian church, each single letter, than, than all the other letters combined. He writes two huge letters to the Corinthians, blasting them about their spiritual immaturity. And then he's having to talk to them now about understanding spiritual gifts in the body so that Pastor Sean and Shanita aren't arguing about which one's going to lay hands. Because that's what was happening in Corinthian church. Tamara over here speaking in tongues, but Mama over here, she want to do prophecy. And then Markel's over here talking about, well, I got the gift of miracles. I'm better. And so the whole Corinthian church was fighting about what was going on in the body of Christ. Now, you think that's silly, but that happens in churches all the time. Well, we ain't getting no red carpet in this church because my grandma bought this carpet. We ain't changing out them stained glass windows even though they busted. Because my uncle bought them stained glass windows. Now, people still fight about the same stupid stuff. Why do they fight? Don't have the Spirit of God in their life. So here's what he says. He says, now, there are diversities of gift, but what? The same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but it's the same what? He says, and there are diversities of how they operate, but it's the same God which works in who? All or everybody. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to do what? Profit everybody. That's what the withal means. God gives, say, an anointing so that he can use that anointing to profit everybody in the body. God gives you an anointing so that you can use that anointing to profit everybody in the body. It says, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, but by the same Spirit. To another faith the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. 
It says, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues or diverse tongues or being able to speak in different languages even though you haven't studied that language. Now, don't get, now we'll, we don't have time to get into here, but this particular tongue here is not It's not that tongue. It is a tongue that is known in the earth. It means that the Spirit of God gets on you. You don't know Spanish, but God needs you to witness to somebody who does speak Spanish, and the anointing of God gets on you, and you begin to speak perfect Spanish. And when you leave that situation, you don't know what you just said. But they stand there screaming, giving their life to God. It says, to another, the interpretation of tongues. And that's the interpretation of the other kind of tongues. He says, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Amen? It says... For the body is not one member, but what? Many. Now, he says the body is not one member, but many. Now, go to verse 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. In other words, everybody in here, raise your hand. Everybody in here, raise your hand. You are a member of the body of Christ. But watch this. You got different functions. Watch this. If I take one of you away, we are now less than what we were. So he's saying to them, you got to understand that when you have the Holy Spirit operating in your life as an individual, then this church doesn't have an issue with people saying, well, why I always got to clean up? Well, well why, 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 why don't I ever get to teach the offering? Why don't I get to lead a song? Why don't I get to lead prayer? What you start to say is, you know what? If I don't help keep this church clean, we can't have a great atmosphere for people to get saved in. And, you, and, and there's no argument, there's no division in the church about who's doing what because we all see ourselves as valuable. I can't be no greeter. I can't be no little usher. It's only a little because that's the title you put on it. Because you may have the, you are the, the greeters and the ushers are the first people that people see when they walk through the doors. They could have just had the worst day of their life. They see you come through that, you come through that door, they see you, they, you smiling at them, you give them a hug. They may have been contemplating suicide and they may decide, you know what, I ain't killing myself. And you may not ever know about the power of what you did till you get to heaven. But watch this, the Bible says we're all needed in the body. He says, and God has set some in the church some first apostles, then prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, government, and diversities of tongues. In other words, what he says is, listen, everybody is necessary. Part of growing up spiritually is understanding you're necessary. In fact, I need you to make this confession with me. Say, I am necessary to the vision of the body of Christ and fellowship of champions. If you believe that, you wouldn't hardly ever miss. If you believe that, you would feel like, you know what, if I'm not at church, then, 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 then the church is missing out because I'm necessary. I'm valuable. Amen. I am valuable. Number 10, it is the key to innovation and creativity. 
How many of you know there are times that you're going to have to do something and you ain't, ain't nobody going to ever have done it before? There's not going to be any model. There's not going to be any template. You're going to be on your job. Your boss is going to ask you to do something. Ain't nobody ever done it before. But now is not the time to freak out. Now is the time to shine. Now is the time to shine. Why? Because I go to God. I remember my mom talked about one time how she had got to a job and a lady didn't want to train her on how to do the job. She had a certain amount of time to learn how to do the job. And she was kind of frustrated. And she said she went home and she said, okay, God, if nobody's going to teach me how to do this job, you teach me how to do this job. She said, and, and literally God just started telling her things of what to do and how to improve it. And before you knew it, she had surpassed the person who was supposed to be training her in the job. I got some, there's some folk around this church who feel like this. I asked for a wall to be built. And nobody in our church ever built a wall. I come back two weeks later, I got a wall built. We ain't never t- put technology up before. But we weren't going to get nobody no thousand dollars to come put it up. It's up there working, ain't it? Why? Because the spirit of innovation and creativity will get on you. Watch this, and it might be your way out of debt. You, you may have an invention. That the world needs. But because you're not letting the Holy Spirit talk to you, you're missing out on the invention. Number 11, he says it is the key to knowing the right timing for action. It is the key to knowing the right timing for action. How many of you know that there's sometimes you got the right thing to say, but it's the wrong time to say it? And you can absolutely tear something up by saying the right thing at the wrong time. Maybe what you got to say needs to be said, but maybe it doesn't need to be said in front of everybody who's standing there right then. So the Holy Spirit will not only tell you what needs to be said, it'll tell you when to say it. Last one. Or was that the last one? No, there's one more. Number 12. <clears throat> There we go. <laughs> you ain't got number 12? Man, you put number 12 up there? Man, come on. <laughs> That's all right. Praise God. Y'all did good. Amen. Number 12. I'm sorry. We ain't done. We ain't done. Praise God. We ain't done. <laughs> Praise God. Y'all can give you this last one. It is the key to withstanding persecution and satanic attacks. Amen? It is the key to withstanding persecution in satanic attacks. How many of you know that trouble will come? How many of you know that there will be times in your life where things will happen that you did not plan for? How many of you know that you have an adversary and your adversary wants to cause you as much torment as he can while you are on earth because he knows you're going to be in heaven forever after? So his job is to cause you as much pain as he can while you are here. But if you are sensitive and live in a spiritually sensitive life to the Holy Spirit, it will allow you to persevere over all of those satanic attacks. Stand to your feet. Here's the last thing I'll tell you. You don't even have to take this down. We'll talk about it a little bit next week. Just because you get saved doesn't mean that you grow spiritually. Amen? Just because you get saved doesn't mean that you grow spiritually. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and do what? Lean on. But, in what? All of your ways, and he what? 
Just because you get saved doesn't mean you're going to grow. It doesn't mean you're going to develop. You've got to put some time and you've got to put some effort into this. Amen? And if you'll put time and effort into this, I'm telling you, your life can be wonderful. You, you can have it all. I know people say you can't have it all. I'm telling you, you can have it all. You can have it all. You can have a good marriage. You can have great kids. You can have vacations. You can have all the money you need. You can have all the peace. You can have all the joy. You can be well in your body. You can be well in your mind. You don't have to be stressed. You don't have to, uh, to be in fear or worry. You can have it all. It's almost just like that time when, when God shows up to Adam and Eve and he says, he says, where are you? And he says, I hid myself. And he says, why did you hide yourself? He says, because I was naked. And he said, who told you that? Who gave you a revelation that, that you didn't have, that you could, who told you you couldn't have it all? The word of God says we absolutely can have it all, amen? All we got to do is keep making a determined effort to grow spiritually to develop in our lives, to let the Holy Spirit come into our life, hear what the Holy Spirit says, and then be obedient. And, and you, don't have to, you don't have to convince anybody that this works. Show them. Don't spend your time talking about how it's going to work. Let them see. Remember, you are the salt of the earth. Remember, you are that light that is on uh, the city, uh, that's on the hill that can't be hid. Amen? And so what you've got to learn to do is you've just got to learn to make the commitment. And if you'll make the commitment, you'll, start, you'll see this week, you'll see yourself starting to grow. Amen? Let's make this confession. Come on, lift your hands. Say, Father God, I thank you that right now my life is better. I am making a commitment to develop in the things of your word. I'm asking you if there is anything in my life, hindering me from developing, you expose it and give me the power to deal with it swiftly. I am committed to change. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of prayer. This concludes our message. Thank you for supporting Fellowship of Champions Church International. To order other products or for partnership information and other resources, visit us at championsforlife.org or write to us at 1105 Deer Street, Conway, Arkansas, 72032. Thank you for listening and continue with us as we build Champions for Life.